Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to a special episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. People, 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 we are deadline day, we are season started, we are madness in, madness out potentially. There's all sorts of rumours swirling, it looks like there could even be some deadline day drama, who knows, but... Most importantly, what I do know is I'm very pleased to be joined again by Ben Boxack from Liverpool.com. Ben, how are we doing? Yeah, great to be on. Uh, I'm kind of glad that the transfer window is coming to an end. I think uh, it's it's been a hectic one for Liverpool fans. Uh, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to, you know, the season beginning. The Europa League draw was made on, on the day we're speaking. And I think I'm just looking forward to uh, an exciting uh, season ahead with with some interesting European trips as well. Yeah, no doubts at all. It was a fascinating draw, wasn't it, this afternoon? And for, for those that haven't seen it, I won't give too much away, but just make sure you've got your passport ready for, for France, Belgium and Austria. That's all I'll say if you've not seen it. But yeah, I mean, Ben, what a day to be doing this. And it seems only right to start at the the top with the transfer section, and there's nowhere else you can start but Ryan Gravenberch. And even as we've just been coming on air, there's sort of more drama, speculation swirling around this. So what we do know is that Ryan Gravenberch is on Merseyside. The suggestions are that you know the the formalities of the deal have pretty much been completed. It's almost a waiting for the announcement type of job. You know, reports around a a 40 million euro fixed fee, according to David Ornstein and others. So it's almost, is he going to be announced? Is he in the squad against Villa? That type of scenario. However, we've had the the update in the last few minutes that Palhina, the Fulham midfielder, who was set to be, it was suggested, Gravenberch's replacement, that deal has collapsed. That deal is off. So... No one is quite 100% sure yet of the knock-on effects. We will have to wait and see in that regard. But it's still important to talk about Graven Birch Ben. And I know I've seen on your account quite a few tweets around his performance, what he brings, you know, stats, attributes, that type of thing. And it almost feels like for some, I could be wrong, but we're almost trying to turn the doubters into believers around Ryan Graven Birch. So, 
maybe the a short question that's easy to ask but will take a while to answer. Based on the stats, the information you've tweeted, why should Reds be excited about Ryan Gravenberch right now? I think, yeah, it's a simple question, a simple answer. I think he is someone who is pretty much just the perfect Liverpool midfielder. Um, you know, even at Bayern, I mean, he didn't really get to show his talents enough at Bayern. But if you look back at his Ajax days, he covers so much ground. Uh, he's got so much energy. He's really good on the ball, reads the game really well. And he's someone who will cover for his teammates, who, who will track back, who will run back. And uh, in in that sense, he's kind of similar to Dominic Soboslai, the, the Soboslai we've seen. Uh, this season so far, the, the the type of player who's involved in a lot of duels, who who will run up and down the pitch and who will just bring a lot of energy into the midfield. And I think that's yeah. what Liverpool lacked. And I think that's what Gravenberg can bring to this Liverpool midfield. And I think that's why people should be excited because uh, with Vitaro Ender coming in, he's also got you know loads of energy and McAllister as well having played in a very intense sort of Brighton team, uh, this Liverpool midfield is now looking very excited and uh, the kind of midfield who I think opposition players, opposition, any opposite opponent is going to struggle against and is not going to look forward to playing against. Yeah, I could, I could well imagine and that's how it does sound appetising, I'm not going to lie, legs, energy, physicality, all the things we were almost in simple terms, missing last season as well. And I suppose with Gravenberch, because there's been talk and even Tommy Tuchel mentioned his press conference about his position, the element, the formation, that type of thing today, that the, the talk's been around where does he play? That is he a, a right-sided eight? Naturally, there's a lot of reds, I'm sure you know, have been hanging in desperate for a, another defensive midfielder, another number six, as it were. But there is talk, and, and again, depends on which report you want to lean to. Gravenberch is capable of doing that. <laughs> it might not be the easiest one, but where do you think Jurgen Klopp will deploy him in this team? I think it, he's got to be used as an eight in the midfield right now, as it is with Rotaru Endo as the number six. I can't see him being used in the number six position just yet. I don't think he's ready for that role. I don't know if he'll ever be ready, actually. I think it would be a bit of a shame to use him in, in the number six position as well because, uh, you know, like I, I compared him to Dominic Soboslai and it would be like playing Dominic Soboslai in the number six position. Maybe he can do right. it. And they can probably both do it, but... At the same time, you're losing a lot of their quality on the ball if, if they play in that position. So um, what I think would be interesting is uh, whether from now on we see Liverpool maybe tweaking the midfield formation a little bit. I think that's a possibility given the, the profile that Jurgen Klopp has available in terms of his midfield at the moment. I think we could probably see us switching to a, potentially a double pivot, which Gravenberg has played. Uh, he can play as a six in a double pivot. Um, yeah. I think Vitaro Endo would probably be better in a double pivot as well. Uh, you, if you look at Bicetic, 
who does have the tendency to roam forward as well and he's not necessarily as disciplined in his uh, defensive positioning as a Fabinho. Um, he too would probably suit a double pivot as well. And then, you know, the likes of McAllister, Curtis Jones as well, even at the Euros, he's played in a double pivot. Um, Sobosle himself has done it for the Hungarian national team. I, I spoke to the Hungarian national team manager, Marco Rossi, uh, last week, and he seemed to be a big fan of him playing in a, in a double pivot compared him to Andre Perlo. So if you wow. look at the, the, the profiles that Liverpool have, pretty much all of Liverpool's midfielders can play in a double pivot as number sixes. And then pretty much all of them as well, on the flip side, could play as the more advanced midfield playmaker. I mean, Gavin Burge can do it. McAllister could do it. Harvey Elliott can do it. Sobosai can do it. Curtis Jones can all do it. So I think it, it will be interesting to see what Jurgen Klopp does, but based on the profiles that he has brought in and the profiles that he has available, I think it's certainly a possibility that we could see uh, a double six being used more often. Yeah, not something I suspect that many fans will have thought of, thought of almost that move to a almost a four-two-three-one. I mean, we've seen the the four-three-three for you know a long time, and then we've had the switch to the Trent formation, the hybrid, however it's described nowadays. So, will be interesting. And Jurgen Klopp did talk today in his press conference about comparing the midfield we have now against the previous midfield around, yeah, the, the formation, the ability to change formation. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, one one story that I do want to ask you about transfer-wise, Ben, I'm sure you've seen this all day. This just will not disappear, will it? The Salah story that, you know, Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp especially seems to deny at every press conference or interview. But naturally, the, the media will run with it because there's talk even that, up to 200 million could be put on the table by Alitiad in that regard to get the player today, essentially, or before the Saudi window ends. I mean, literally, we, we all know there's no time, Ben, practically. The window is about to shut very shortly. Is Do you, do you honestly believe there's any, t- any value of money that shifts Mo Salah now? Or is Liverpool's no, a complete 100% no, it's not going to happen? Or have you got that knack that, hold on, if they put 200 million on the table, something may happen? I think, in my opinion, if I was, you know, in charge of Liverpool, absolutely not. But I think you have to be realistic. Um, The Saudi money has changed things and they've been able to do things that, you know, even like, a month ago, we wouldn't have thought possible them bringing, for example, Neymar to the league. I think Klopp even said it himself. He, he never expected that. Not a lot of people would have expected that. So I think you have to take them seriously um, based on what they've done so far. And I think you can't rule it out, especially because, you know, their transfer deadline runs a week longer than the Premier League. So yeah. they still got a week to work on this and a week to sort of try and convince, um, you know, on the player's side, on Liverpool's side. And I think, you know, you have to be realistic. If a if a 200 million offer comes in, uh, I mean, that is an incredible amount of money. And I think Liverpool would have to then consider it, even though 
Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It would, I mean, then at that point, you know, losing Salah would be a significant loss for Liverpool. I mean, I think significant is not even the right word to use. I I can't think of the word to use. It would be a devastating loss, really. I can't, you know, Ben Doak, yes, he's a talented uh, player, but to to be able for him to to be used in the right wing position long term, uh, to replace Salah so quickly at 17 years of age, I don't think he can do it. I think you know there's potentially Luis Diaz could play in the right wing role, but I'm not convinced. Uh, Hakpo again, I'm not convinced. They're all better in the left wing position. I know people have given shouts for Dominic Soboslai to be used in that position, but again. Completely different player, and I think in this Liverpool system, while he he was okay doing that at Leipzig, he was doing that as a sort of inverted winger, almost playing as an attacking midfielder rather than an out and out winger. He wasn't the the Salah sort of the pr- typical Liverpool winger that we're used to seeing. Transfer marked will mark him out as a right midfielder or as a right winger, but if you look at the reality of his positioning, his heat map. He wasn't even close to to what you would see uh, a Mohamed Salah play right now for Liverpool. So I think there's it, it just it it would leave Liverpool very short on that right wing. You'd have to change formation again, and um, given how Liverpool have started this season relatively positively, I think um, I would have some serious concerns in terms of how that would damage the team sort of morally as well. Um, you know, on the other side, on the flip side, you can have a really positive reaction and the team can rally around. And um, I think like Tottenham have done since Harry Kane has left, but um, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to lose Salah and I, and I hope it doesn't happen. But unfortunately, given everything that has happened this summer with the Saudis, you can't rule it out. It, it's still a possibility. Yeah, it's just that almost that that niggling little item at the the back of the mind type of thing. And fingers crossed, we don't have to talk about this. But I suppose until that Saudi window closes, it's easy to discuss. And we'll have to see, like we said, if this two hundred million or more bid comes to the table. And I suppose one thing to sort of finish around transfers that it does seem that, and fingers crossed, as we said, we've got to repeat. We don't know if it goes through with Palhinha collapsing, but. If it is Ryan Gravenberch and done for Liverpool, naturally there's a lot of talk about look at the defence, the injuries. People expected that to be reinforced, but you know it, it doesn't seem, barring a last dash miracle, that that's going to happen. How would you actually rate the window overall? 
I think. Do you want me to give a rating out of ten? I think yeah, with a with a bit of context as well, because I know people are kind of yeah. split on this. Um, I would say seven point five. Um, obviously, I don't think Liverpool got their first choice holding midfielder. Probably not even their second choice holding midfielder. Maybe not yeah. even their third choice. But I still think Vitaro Endo is a good signing. Uh, obviously, long term, I don't think he will be Liverpool's main number six. But uh, for this season alone, with you know, it will give some time for Stefan Bicetic to improve and probably be molded more into that number six position. And and you know we'll see where Bicetic is at next summer and Liverpool can, if if Liverpool are not yet convinced, then Liverpool can go for for another holding midfielder. So I think Endo is okay. It's a he's a solid sort of six out of seven out of ten. Uh, but then if you look at the other midfield signings, I think they're probably all eight out of ten or above. If for the transfer the money that Liverpool paid for them and for the quality that they bring in. So for that reason, I'm going with 7.5 because I think Liverpool's priority was to revive this midfield, to rebuild the midfield. And I think they've done that really well. They've signed some really exciting players. Um, And I think I am excited now about that Liverpool midfield, which we haven't been excited about for a long time. So I can't, I, I don't think I can, rate it lower than a seven um but at the same time the reason why it doesn't get 10 or eight eight or nine from me is because i do think as well as you know not getting your first holding midfield option i would have liked to have seen um a center back come in probably a left-sided center back unfortunately though there was just not enough quality on the market Obviously, Liverpool tried to go for Levi Colwell, but that was Chelsea was adamant that was never going to happen. Joshua Guardiola could have been another one, but again, yeah. the kind of money that Manchester City signed him for, it was never going to be feasible for Liverpool to do that. And then after that, you, you look at the market and there wasn't many centre-backs who Liverpool could have signed. I think Liverpool wanted a centre-back who wasn't just going to be a backup, but who was going to be a sort of long-term replacement for Virgil van Dijk. And, you know, there was conversations about Mickey van der Ven, who has started really well at Tottenham. But again, Liverpool just weren't convinced that he's ready to make that step up. And I think based on his numbers, I think that that was fair. That was a fair judgment to make. Um, so... It was a difficult situation for Liverpool this summer in the centre-back department. And I think like last summer when you couldn't, they couldn't get too many, I know the communication was, oh, we'll wait next summer when we can get Bellingham. Yeah. But I think similarly, last summer, you know, you, you didn't have a McAllister, you didn't have a Soboslai, you didn't have... Um, I mean, Graven Birch was available. Liverpool missed out on him, but Soboslai wasn't quite ready to make the step up to Liverpool. McAllister also wasn't quite the the player he was. He wasn't a World Cup winner. He wasn't 
the midfielder who guided Brighton to a record-breaking Premier League season. And that's why Liverpool decided to, you know, say, save that money and invest it next summer. And I think... Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's going to be a similar situation with the centre-back. The the centre-backs, the, the, the situation could change next summer and there could be the equivalent of a McAllister or a Soberstein emerging next summer True. for Liverpool to, to, to sign. Yeah, it will be fascinating, especially with uh, that defence when you look at the ages, the contracts, the profile, what will happen next summer. And just an update, listeners, as well, because actually we're doing this live on air and I almost feel like I'm giving a police statement, but with a time check of 23 minutes past five, Paul Joyce, David Lynch and others have stated on Twitter that the Liverpool deal for Ryan Gravenberch was not dependent on Bayern Munich signing Palhinha. So fingers crossed that is the case and we are expecting, fingers crossed again, touch wood, Ryan Gravenberch to be a Liverpool player by the end of this evening. And Probably, Ben, that's it. That's enough transfer talk for now because God knows it's going to be the rest of the night and all through. So it's probably good to talk about the start to the season because I know you mentioned it, you know, get the, the football underway. And it seems crazy in one way that the window is open while the football's going on. But here we are. We are three games in, aren't we? We've got the, the draw at Chelsea in the one all draw. We've got a win against Bournemouth where we started our Ponchamp for playing with 10 men, which we seem to be favouring now in a 3-1 victory. And then a Darwin madness steals the points against Newcastle at St. James's Park in that regard. So an interesting one. Definitely that's probably a, the fair word for those three games. They've all had an intrigue for different reasons, maybe for, for other observers. How good a start to the season? Three games... Seven points, based on the circumstances, two red cards, one rescinded, it's important to say. How good a start to the season do you think it actually is? I think even without the context of how those games unfolded, seven points with two away games, two probably one of two of the toughest away games to play in the Premier League. Um, seven points is a really good start. It's, it's a phenomenal start. And then you add the context of Liverpool played with 10 men in two of those games. It's an even better start. And I think um, Liverpool can be really pleased. I'm not sure overall if the performances have been that good. Uh, I think certainly against Bournemouth, it was very good. Uh, Newcastle at times, I I, I liked what I saw. Even with 10 men, I think Liverpool controlled the game really well. 
Um, again, I think though, I, what needs to be said is sort of similar themes to last season. If I have to be critical, is how Liverpool conceded a lot of goals early last season. That's kind of been the theme again. Obviously conceded first against Newcastle and conceded very, very early against Bournemouth. And that was a really slow start from Liverpool against Bournemouth. Thankfully, Liverpool bounced back. Uh, but I think that's something to keep an eye on for, for Cop. I don't know the reason behind why Liverpool start games so sluggishly. Uh, certainly against Newcastle was a little bit better, but I still felt like, you know, there was a lack of sort of concentration at times. I know Trent was really unlucky not to get that free kick against Gordon when Gordon shoved yeah. him. But again, it was to throw the ball away, a silly mistake. Then, then to make that challenge of Gordon, that was another silly mistake. And that was really early on in the game. And those kind of moments could have cost Liverpool. Um, and I think that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Liverpool do need to start games better. And, you know, that Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp's greatest errors were, were renowned for, for starting games quickly and for, for getting a lot of goals really early on. And I think that's something that Liverpool need to get back to. But obviously that takes time. There's a lot of new players. Uh, obviously some of the situations haven't been ideal particularly against Chelsea in terms of the preparation for, for that game and the kind of crazy transfer saga that was going on behind the scenes. Uh, but overall, I mean, the, the positive is, is that Liverpool have seven points to their name and they, they managed to come back in, in, in out of all of those difficult situations. And uh, I think they've done really well to get seven points and those seven points are a really good place to be after um you know he- well there's still one more game until the international break but heading into the international break liverpool will be pleased i think with what they've done so far yeah i think that's fair to say and christ 10 points would be a really good start in that regard especially with sunday coming up which we'll move on to i mean i was going to ask you about sort of the the biggest lessons we need to learn. I mean, naturally, naturally, keeping 11 men on the pitch is helpful. We've seen that, you know, control, playing people in their, their right positions. But also we've seen, we have seen a lot of good things, as you mentioned. So real character, I'd say, from this team. They didn't always show last season, especially down to 10 men. If the one thing you really would want to see that you maybe not mention from this team sort of going forward, i.e. something that you think could be fixed quickly or we could switch to what would it be would you say I mean I think it's really difficult to judge Liverpool just because of how in the first game against Chelsea you know Liverpool struggled to keep possession it wasn't really the sort of midfield that Jurgen Klopp wanted to put out McAllister was kind of uh, had to forced into playing a number six position which is not his role uh, obviously, then against Bournemouth, we saw some really positive stuff in terms of Liverpool keeping the ball and attacking. Uh, but then again, but then went down to ten men and it became a bit of a struggle. Uh, same with Newcastle as well. So it's it's difficult to judge Liverpool at the moment in terms of where they're at, controlling games with eleven men, and 
keeping possession of the ball. But I've, I would like to see Liverpool be more dominant. So far, I think we've seen Liverpool being a counter-attacking side, even against Bournemouth away from home. It wasn't the kind of Liverpool that we're used to who just keep possession and control the game. And I think Fabinho was was a, a really key player in that regard. And Thiago, who is still not back, uh, who knows when he will be back, but Thiago could be a, a, a crucial piece to that jigsaw to, to make sure Liverpool retain possession and, and keep possession a lot better. Because I think so far, if you look at a lot of the goals Liverpool have scored, they've been sort of counter-attacking moves, especially, I mean, particularly against Newcastle. Uh, both goals sort of came from counter-attacking situations. And for me, I would like to see Liverpool just control possession a bit more and um, play a bit more like Manchester City, which is probably not going to go down well with the listeners. But I think, you know, if you want to be a really dominant side in the Premier League, I don't think you can be. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. You you can rely only on counter-attacks because um, eventually you're going to run into a team who are going to try and park the bus and who are not trying to go for the game. And then you, you will run into problems. And I so far, I haven't seen whether Liverpool are going to be able to break through those barriers like they they were able to do in in previous seasons obviously not last season that was a big struggle for Liverpool last season as well and I haven't seen that change yet from Liverpool but I think you know there are new personnel in that midfield who are who can certainly help with that and uh, I am looking forward to seeing them be able to play those sort of creative side the creative side of their games which I don't think we've seen enough yet I mean you know loads there was loads of talk about McAllister's passing uh yeah we've seen him, we've seen him just be competing for duels at the moment and 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 you know running back for Liverpool and and uh, covering a lot of ground but we haven't really seen him be that possession dominance uh 
player yet. We saw a little bit in preseason, but not yet in the Premier League. And and the same with Soboslai. I think, you know, he's been fantastic. He's been uh, really impressive. But again, the, the the side to his game that we've seen so far is his running with the ball, his energy, his fact that he competes in a lot of chores as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to Liverpool sort of bringing out the creative side to their game as well. And um, obviously, Liverpool will need time. It will, it will help if there are eleven men on the pitch rather than ten. Yeah, uh, but. You know, hopefully against Aston Villa, we're, we're going to be able to see that a little bit. I know Aston Villa are a really good side. Uh, I hope Liverpool won't underestimate them because they are really impressive. Unai Emery tends to have a decent record against Liverpool, if I recall. I mean, he certainly beat us in the Europa League final. Um, so I wouldn't underestimate Villa, but you'd like to think being at home at Anfield Hopefully, with eleven men this time, uh, we will see more of that. Those creative sides to Soboslai's and McAllister's game. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and especially as as you said, when we play with eleven men and maybe gets into some sort of routine, that will be the the time to to judge and start looking from there. I mean, the only other thing I really wanted to pick your brains on is from St James's Park. I mean. There's only really, despite Alisson's saves and everything, which was sensational, we've got to talk about Darwin Nunes and that that two-goal haul, that performance, the finishes, all those types of things. Do you think this could now serve as that launch pad, Ben? Could this be kind of take off for Darwin? Is that realistic? Is that what you hope? Yeah, I mean... I think I made my hopes clear in a couple of episodes ago when you asked me about who I think is going to be players, uh, the player of the season for Liverpool. And I said I would go for a wildcard option. And I did go with yeah. me. Um, and I think that's just because when Nunez signed, I, I spoke to a lot of people who worked with him at um, Almeria and, and Benfica. And, and the feedback I got is he's someone who doesn't get going right away. They they told me, don't expect an Erling Haaland who will, you know, score three goals in his first game, or I don't know what he did for Man City, but you you get the point, you know, Erling Haaland has always just exploded onto the scene and scored a lot of goals straight away. Nunez yeah. is someone who takes a bit more time. Um, he scored, I think, 14 goals in his first season at Benfica, and then scored uh, 34 in his second. Um, it was the same at Almeria. I, I spoke to his, his coach there and he said, you know, the first eight games of the season, he only got a couple of goals and people were not really convinced. But eventually he grew in confidence as um, the second half of the season started and then, then COVID happened and everything and he really worked on himself during COVID uh, did a lot of private sessions and, and stuff like that and grew in confidence and scored I think uh, a pretty decent amount of goals in the second half of the season to, to get a move to Benfica and I think I'm expecting kind of the same thing to happen at Liverpool for, for history to repeat itself a little bit um, we saw he was re- in good form in pre-season. 
um, scored a lot of goals. I think, especially in terms of the minutes he was on the pitch, he scored a lot of goals. Um, and I think this moment now against Newcastle should have given him the sort of momentum to take into the rest of the season. And uh, it's kind of shown, you know, those preseason goals were not just a fluke. Uh, he, he can do it in the Premier League as well. And I'm sure it will mean a lot to him. Um, he seems a lot more mature as well in compared to last season. I think he's learned a lot last season in terms of, you know, he said he's, he doesn't read social media as much anymore. And um, I think I'm expecting him to have a big season. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to score 34 goals like he scored for, for Benfica in his second season. But um, I, I think he'll get around 25 uh, in all competitions. Wow. Especially considering, you know, Europa League football is on the table, which will give him more opportunities to 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 play and, uh, you know, score a few goals, having seen the opponents that Liverpool will face. I think that that's it's certainly a possibility that in those six six games, Nunez can score, you know, a few goals for sure. And uh, I think that will bring his confidence up as well. And also, I think in terms of, uh, you know, the, the sort of reactions on social media will not be as intense if his goal tally is quite good in the Europa League as you know there won't be as much focus and attention on him yeah that, that is completely understandable and I know you kind of mentioned the the Villa game before and obviously it's a natural segue into this with even as you talked about the formation as well at, at certain times I mean Villa that as you said Emery they're going so well under him this is a massive game as Jurgen Klopp called it early in his press conference, we'll need Anfield that you mentioned. Aside from needing the fans, Ben, based on what you've talked about with the forwards, the formation, all those types of things, how do you think we'll line up on Sunday? I think there will, obviously, Virgil van Dijk will not be involved, but I don't think there will be too many changes from the team that lined up against Newcastle. I think Diego Jota was really good when he came on. And I wouldn't be surprised if he started. I still think Nunez might not get the nod. Um, wow. I, just, I I think for, for whatever reason, I just think Jürgen Klopp at the moment likes to bring him on to make an impact in, in the latter stages of the game. And I think given how he said this was a massive game. He hasn't he hasn't always played Nunez for those massive games. So I know people will that there will be an uproar probably on, on Twitter if Nunez doesn't start, but it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't. Uh I think just because Klopp at the moment seems to trust Jota and Hakpo more in, in, in those games. I'm definitely expecting Diaz to start. He was very unfortunate to to be plucked off the off yeah. against Newcastle so early on, but that means he's he's quite fresh. And I think I wouldn't be surprised personally if it was Diaz, Shota, and you know Salah. I, I still expect Salah to be at Liverpool. 
um, by the at the at the weekend. So yeah, I I would expect that front three and then the midfield the same as as, as the one that started against Newcastle. And then at the back, I think um, Joe Gomez will come in to replace Van Dijk. I I know people have sort of spoken about Gerald Kwanzaa being given a chance to, to start because Matip has been quite poor but it would be a big call. I think Villa are just really good going forward and, and, and that would be a big test for him and I'm not sure if he's ready for that test yet. I think he's a, he's a really talented centre-back. Uh, I really like him on the ball in particular. He fits into what Liverpool is looking for in terms of a defender but it's a bit too soon to come in and, and play against Aston Villa, um, who are probably one of the dark horses in the Premier League. I know they lost heavily to Newcastle on the opening day, but they've been in really good form since, and they've got some really good attacking players. So um, yeah, I think it would be just too much for, for Konza. But, I, you know, I think... If Matip struggles in that game, then after the international break, there is a conversation to be had if Konate is still not back, if um, Virgil van Dijk's suspension is extended, which it likely will be, then there is a conversation to be had who, who plays. I think it's Wolves, right? Who Liverpool play after the international yeah. break. Yeah. In who plays against Wolves, I think, yeah, that that could be a conversation then, but I think it's too soon for this Villa game. Yeah, it will be. It will be interesting to see, and it's definitely Jurgen Klopp, so it's definitely not predictable anyway. And I suppose the final question I'll ask you for, for this one, Ben, that Sunday, big game, like you say, you predicted the formation lineups. Hopefully, we see more possession, more control, etc. Love to see a certain few names on the score sheet, as we predicted as well. But what are you predicting as the score and who would you fancy to get on the score sheet for us as well? I'm, I'm expecting a lot of goals in this one. I hope I'm not proved wrong, but I think something like a 4-2, 4-3 win for Liverpool. Uh, I know that's a, that's a high uh, scoreline, but I think it, it's certainly possible given how Villa has started the season, how Liverpool has started the season, how Liverpool are without Virgil van Dijk. Um, so, yeah, in terms of who's scoring, um, I think Salah will, will get a couple just to sort of um, silence those those Saudi talks. And uh, I'm expecting Nunez to score again off the bench. Um, and, and, and maybe... Uh, a Soboslai goal. I think in his first appearance at Anfield, he was he was close to it, kind of. Uh, obviously won the penalty and and had that shot parried, which Diego Jota then scored. So um, if Soboslai can get in similar sort of positions again at Anfield this time, which I think, even though I, I think Villa are impressive, I think they will leave gaps for Liverpool to exploit in attack. I think so. I think Sobosai can get in those positions again, like he did against Bournemouth. I think, uh, yeah, he's got a chance of scoring. 
Fingers crossed. As you said, Gakpo, the only forward that's not on the score sheet. But any win, I suppose, that doesn't involve going down to, to 10 men gives us a great 10 points, which is a brilliant start to the season, doesn't it, before the international window. So all that really leads me to say is, Ben, as ever, thanks for your time. Thanks for your in-depth answers. It's much appreciated, sir. A pleasure. Yeah, happy to be on. Brill. And that was another... Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.